You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah youths. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, the Utes get the huge win against the UCLA Bruins. And we're looking ahead as Utah travels to Tempe to play the Arizona State Sun Devils. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. I'm back. Happy Halloween, everyone. (laughs) Why did we let you back in here? (laughs) We got Scott. It's so good to be back. It is good to be back. It's good to it's good to be back. One on one with Cam is getting a little dicey. Well, it's good to have you back, Ryan. Good to... Oh, thanks. It's good to be back. Glad you didn't take another quick uh, last-minute invite elsewhere tonight. And pull a Jack Tuttle. So before we get into Ooh. this episode, don't you know that we're brought to you by Lyft? Now, Lyft is rapidly becoming the go-to choice for Utahns needing a safe and convenient way of getting where they need to go. Due to this popularity, Lyft is in need of drivers. Lyft is currently offering listeners of the Utah Man podcast a bonus of $300 when they sign up using our exclusive code, UtahManPod. Signing up only takes a few minutes. Just download the Lyft Driver app, put the code in, and get ready to drive. If you're looking for an easy and flexible way to make some extra cash, driving for Lyft is the way to go. Sign up today, and don't forget to use our code, UtahManPod, that's UtahManPod, P-O-D, just one word, to collect your bonus. Jump on it, you fans. If you use that code, Zach Moss may pick you up. <laughs> you never there's know. No, there's no you guarantees, but there is a possibility. So you never know. Utah gets the victory over UCLA, forty-one to ten. So Utah gets a slow start against UCLA. They actually end the first quarter seven to three. The offense it took them until the second quarter to kind of start getting going. Yeah, it was it was similar to that USC start. Obviously, not uh, not the not the giveaway in points uh, like we did, but. Yeah, just a little slow coming out of the gates, a little sloppy. Um, but they're, you know, just like USC, they're able to kind of quickly turn that around and and get the momentum going in their favor. But uh, I think uh, these last two weeks they have given you fans uh, some panic attacks with uh, with everything that's on the line at this point and how how they started. I was kind of nervous going into this game. I kind of I kind of felt. I mean, I picked Utah to win forty five seventeen, but you. You just never know going into, especially a road game, into uh, playing a team that really has quite a bit of talent, even though they haven't shown it the, so far this year. You just you don't know what what uh, you're going to get, especially after watching all these Pac-12 games this weekend. There were so many upsets. You just never know, and when they they fall behind early, you kind of go, oh. But just like you said, they're they, they don't panic and they just come out and start playing their game and just hope that down the road this doesn't come back to bite them because ASU I think is a better team than what we've probably faced the last couple of weeks even though I think we're still a better team than ASU but you never know that's why we play the game well it is on the road and it is uh, this back-to-back weeks of being on the road which is not bode well for other teams in the conference so it'll be a big test for the Utes to to go in and get this win. ASU's playing better, but the Utes have some momentum. They are playing really well offensively, and I think it's you know they've just got to continue to pound the ball and just own the, own the trenches, which which they've been doing through this stretch, both offensively and defensively. Speaking of pounding the ball, early in that game against UCLA, we ended up punting the ball away. The return guy fumbles it. We get it on the five-yard line, and Zach Moss does not touch the ball. And we end up kicking a field goal. Is that stubbornness of Troy Taylor saying, I'm going to pass this? We're gonna pa- I mean, what the first play was a running play. It was a, it was a sweep to Covey, and obviously it didn't work. But then they threw a fade, which was well overthrown. Then on third down, the pass over the middle was knocked down. He ended up getting a field goal from the five-yard line. When Moss just just give the ball to Moss. Well, Ryan, it's it's funny you bring that up because Kyle spoke specifically on this earlier today. 
Uh, we talked about that offensively and, and uh, some of the things they do defensively down in tight lended itself to maybe attacking the edges a little bit more because they pack it in so much. But but still, in hindsight, we all agreed uh, in the staff room that, you know, just give it to Moss, even though that may be what they're trying to take away. He's, you know, he's so effective that uh, probably would have done it a little differently. But but scouting them and, and uh, going off their tendencies, it did make sense to, to try the edge. But, but uh, you know, outsmarted ourselves, I guess, a little bit. So there you have it, straight from the horse's mouth. They should have gone with Moss. They outthought themselves a little bit, which which really was the motto for the whole A-Rod, Christensen era, and offense, just outthink yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I do think Troy Taylor did try to get a little too cute. The jet sweep there, uh, the interception in the end zone, even the Covey touchdown pass to Fotheringham. It worked out, but but man, it I can't handle that anxiety anymore. Just give it to Moss. Well, I, I you can't always give it to I, Moss. I'll say this: in most games, yes, you you want to have a little bit uh, of diversity in your offense and 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 change things up a little bit. But against that UCLA team, who is, they are just horrendous with their rush defense. There's no need to get cute. There's no need to, for the trickeration or anything like that. You just run it down their throats. And obviously, you know, if they saw stuff on film that the edges were vulnerable, you know, they obviously started going for those. But can't come game time, they were not. They were not there. So they just really kind of figured, I'll just go back to Moss and just run it up the gut, which is what they were doing. And that O line was just murdering that D line for UCLA. I mean, it was they were they were getting five yards of push. On every snap. Well, then, well, that, that, and then as soon as Moss was touched, he'd bounce off of it or run through the tackle and pick up another five yards. At one point, he was averaging over 10 yards a carry. Well, and it was, it was contagious because you, you started to see other guys start doing that. Kuthi was, was breaking tackles. Everybody who got the ball, Covey, they all were just fighting for extra yards and, and their teammates kind of came to him and, st- and started pushing and just giving them some assistance to get an extra three or four yards. And, uh, I mean, there's just, there's an energy on offense right now where they, they just have a confidence that they, they're going to get the ball. They're going to get the job done. Whatever, whatever the situation is, they're going to move the ball and they're going to score some points. And they're playing with that confidence. And it is, uh, it's just, it's just fun to watch these guys. Well, I think you're making a lot of great points, Scott, because right, we've talked, since we've been doing this podcast for over five years now, about any time the offense had any type of adversity, like a false start or a holding, and it was you know first and long, second and long, you, you're always going to punt. Now it seems like with this offense, that doesn't hurt them anymore. Are they are they a hundred percent perfect every time? No. Are they still going to punt? Yes. But you see that they're averaging. You know, 41 points a game the last couple games. You're seeing their their percentage of scoring on possession is above 50% right now. It's something that we haven't seen as a Utah fan base since the days of Urban Meyer. Not to mention the red zone offense, scoring on mm-hmm. 89% of their their possessions inside the red zone, which Ooh. is unheard of. Oh, yeah. well, unheard and, of well, general, and their touchdowns. But, but just a couple of years ago, Most we, of them are we couldn't even sniff the end zone no, we were, in, inside the red zone. We were awful. I mean, our red zone efficiency single-handedly got A-Rod fired because that, that was the glaring deficiency with that offense Uh, i mean there were a lot don't get me wrong there were a number of issues but we would move the ball between the 20s and we get to the end zone and we get to the red zone and all of a sudden think the end zone was lava and just uh, we're afraid to to get the ball in there and you just have to rely on your kicker over and over and over again and it just it just kills you and it was demoralizing to the defense to you know just not always have the game so tight and the pressure always came down to them. I mean, you're seeing, regardless of how good this offense is, this defense is playing amazing. But when you have an offense that can can give these guys some breathing room, they're, they're that much better. This rush defense, and, and again, we've kind of harped over the weeks on the, on the secondary and, and their inability at times to stop the pass or, or create a big play, um, through, through the air. But 
overall, this defense is just smothering teams. So, Scott, you talk about how the offense is, is playing a lot better, and a lot of that, I think, comes with this rushing attack that Utah has right now. I mean, obviously, Zach Moss is the leader in, in that room with the running backs. He goes 26 carries of 211 yards, uh, 8 yards a carry for 3 touchdowns. But then you also have guys stepping up now. TJ Green uh, for 32 yards, Amarn Shine for 22 yards. I mean, they're not humongous numbers, but limiting those hits by Moss is key because Moss was chucking guys all night. And you look at Stanford and Bryce Love, they kind of have ran him into the ground. He can't play anymore. Kyle McDonald, uh, you know, kind of the newest member, out, you know, came came in with Troy Taylor, um, the running backs coach, and he's done he's done a really good job. Now, granted, he's got a wealth of talent to work with, so that's going to make any coach look pretty good. But these guys are running hard, and you mention it from from Zach Moss to Shine, which you know maybe Shine was not running as hard early on the season, but he's kind of figured some things out. And what TJ Green brings to the table is a lot of fun to watch. I mean, he's he's kind of he's a bigger, probably even a little faster Troy McCormick out there, and only a redshirt freshman, so he's young. He's got he's got so much ability, and it seems like each week they're they're giving him just a few more opportunities, a few more carries, and uh, I think I think his role is going to continue to grow as this as the season continues. But he's 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 really fun to watch. I know another group that, I mean, we've talked about them, I think, every single episode this season, the wide receivers. And the young guys are really stepping up in that group. I mean, Covey, we've heard about him for so long because of his mission. He's only a sophomore. Jalen Dixon, redshirt freshman, Damari Simpkins. Dixon, what a heck of a catch on the sideline. Oh, yeah, a little that toe was, tap. Oh, my gosh, that was... I mean, that was an that NF, was NFL. NFL, yeah. too, toe tap. So, Ryan, I want to kick this over to you. We've seen the wide receivers kind of grow the last couple of seasons. What what are your thoughts about this wide receiving group as as they've come this far? I'm I'm right with you. They're really fun to watch. Um, but I think some of the guys we're seeing now are guys that I don't know that we necessarily mm-hmm. thought would be the standouts. I I think going into the season we thought. Damari Simpkins, and and he's still playing well. Early on, he obviously didn't, but he's made some he- some great catches uh, in the last few games. But I thought Coc Mariner, we thought would be have a big role, and he really has. I know he's been injured a little bit, but I know he played a little bit in this last week. But I don't even think he got thrown to. Uh, Bronson Boyd has been on and off the field, so a lot of these guys we thought would be the mainstays one reason or another haven't either produced and aren't seen action, but these young guys like uh, Solomon Enos and Brant Keithy and Jalen Dixon. I mean, these guys are really stepping up and, and fun to watch. I mean, Solomon Enos, uh, obviously, you know, he's, he's playing majority of the snaps offensively. You know, he's only got six receptions on the, on the season so far. So he's not, he's not being targeted all that much. But but yet he's consistently in the game and getting snaps. And Kyle Whittingham alluded that uh, to that today, and and they even interviewed uh, Enos, and he talked about his his mentality as a wide receiver and the need to block. And and he he said, as a young guy, I know that I've I've got to earn my spot by blocking, and I've got to do my job, and that's how you get on the field early on. So even though he's not getting a ton of receptions or even a ton of targets. He's he's proven enough to this coaching staff to put him on the field and put him on the field consistently because he's getting the job done even when the ball's not getting thrown to him. Yeah, I mean Ryan, as you as you mentioned, Simpkins has really come on because early on, man, we were all extremely critical of him and uh, just he wasn't making plays. He was dropping the ball. He's making plays now, and he's 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 the threat that we that we really needed. I'm hopeful Mariner can kind of get back into form. He had that great game against Weber State, eight receptions, and we really just have not seen much of him since. But I know he is coming off that uh, that concussion, and hopefully he can kind of get back into the things because that's only going to uh, make that group stronger and whole. But And I left out Nakua. Nakua had a slow start, but he's started playing better as well. Yeah, you know, and, and, and Covey, and, and then you got your, your the tight ends that obviously talked about 
Keithy and what he's what he's doing, and he's he's becoming a, a constant threat. So across the board, uh, this receiving and tight end group is 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 giving Tyler a lot of options, and uh, they're, they're reliable now. They're catching the ball. So you know, gone gone are those games, and that frustration was when the ball was there. Were they going to catch it? They're doing that now. They're making the plays when they become available, and that's why this offense is so much more effective. Is because the few opportunities that we are passing, they're being completed, and they're going for first downs and keeping the chains moving. Well, not even on. I mean, even on top of that, that they're catching the ball and and getting first downs, but a lot of these plays. They're not only catching the ball, but they're either breaking tackles or they're being thrown to locations where the guys can get more yards. Yak! And obviously, maybe not necessarily in this particular offensive scheme, but in just going back years and years uh, to other offensive coordinators, that was a big complaint that we always had that, you know, they'd run a, a 10 yard out pattern and get tackled or, and, or go out of bounds and, just short of the first down, and then the drive would stop. There was never, there was never that yards after catch, and we're seeing a lot more of that now. I mean, speaking of the passing game, so the play that we threw the ball to Covey behind the line of scrimmage on the sideline was that a designed run, or was that a pass that was not there that he held? No, I think it was a pass that wasn't there, and so he took off. Because he was looking downfield. He was looking downfield, but was he doing that to set up the blocks? Because those guys, they created a wall on that sideline that he could just run up. So and initially, that was my thought. Okay, he's he's looking to throw, and maybe there's the you know nobody's open. How they set those blocks up, it almost made me wonder, is this was that designed kind of just a, a, a slow-developing screen? It, it very well... Uh, could have been, but I think either way, when you look at that play, you look at the end around where Covey throws the touchdown pass, and he's done that now a couple of times this year. Those types of plays are making defenses scout them. Now Covey goes in motion. The defense has to think he might get the ball. He might run it. He might pass it. There's so many more things out there that they have to pay attention to. It well, and, and you have to think something else is coming off of that. They're not just running this play. Obviously, they're running it to try and score and gain some significant yardage. But like any good offensive coordinator, they run plays to set up future plays. And so you'd have to think that there's there's some sort of variation coming off of that that, uh, that they haven't shown and you know may show in a, in a critical moment here moving forward. But... Yeah, I mean, this, the offense continues to evolve, and, the, and they're starting to put in some different type of plays and some different things just to keep some defenses honest. But all the while, just they're, they're relying on their identity at the moment, and that's just going to be to run the ball over and over and over again. And whenever Troy Taylor forgets what that identity is, <laughs> all of Twitter will remind him extremely quickly. Before we wrap up the offense, I do want to talk about Tyler Huntley. He was in that magical number range that we like. He was 13 to 21, 380 yards. And he was effective. And I think that's what Kyle Winningham talked about in his Monday presser is Tyler Huntley doesn't need to come out for this team and just throw for 400 yards, but he needs to be effective in his passing game. And really 13 to 21, 138 yards, those aren't bad numbers, and if they can keep getting this Tyler Huntley consistently, Utah has a great shot of kind of running the table the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, 13 of 21, especially when he started off pretty pretty cold. He was not accurate early on, and so, but as that game wore on, he was, you know, he was putting the ball where it needed to be and keeping the chains moving. So, I mean, that you know, this, this offense right now, I think that's their key is they're just – you're not seeing a lot of three and outs out of this offense right now. They continually move the chains and they're putting drives together, which only which eats clock. But um, but yeah, they're moving it to the point where they're getting into the red zone. And then, as we mentioned, at 89%, they're scoring. Uh, that's the clip they're scoring at in the red zone. So just efficient is the key of of what they're doing right now. And uh, I mean, that's going to be the key moving forward because as we as we've talked about in the past. This was a playoff game. Next week's a playoff game. You know, there's there's that pressure. You can't you can't slip up. Otherwise, a lot of these dreams 
could uh, could go out the window here. And and Scott, you kind of bring up that each week is a playoff game uh, for Utah. You know, before we go into the defense, I, I kind of want to talk about where they're sitting in the division right now. They are first. Ooh, alone, alone, alone. No, no tiebreaker. About uh, four weeks ago, so a full game above uh, USC, Arizona, Colorado, Arizona State, and UCLA. And and a lot of that was due to what happened this last Saturday. With I mean, who would have thought Oregon State could come back from a twenty-eight point deficit on the road to upset Colorado? Huge. ASU, obviously, they, they took down USC. Great weekend for Utah, not only getting the win, but with, and with all the help. Arizona beating Oregon. What is up with that? Yeah, I mean, it was just, you may have seen, I uh, I gave a few massages over the weekend <laughs> due to all of those uh, wins going How in our How did I miss out on that? In our favor. <laughs> so if you didn't see it on Twitter, Scott, uh, he's at Uteman underscore forever, did offer everyone a free massage if all these teams lost, and they did. So I'm still waiting over I'm here. I'm in big line. Boy. Hey, I, I'll 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 do it right as we podcast. A little tight. So I think the the big thing with with Utah in first place, right? So USC is a full game behind, but because of that tiebreaker, USC has to get two games up on Utah. Well, and and this will be this is this has turned into a really big game uh, because if if ASU somehow upsets us on Saturday, then we're tied. Um, in the conference now, granted, they still have a gauntlet that they got to go through, but at the moment they would tie us uh, at the top spot in the division. So this ASU game, which we thought you know was just going to be an easy win and uh, and uh, not have all that much to do with the standings, but uh, this is this is a pretty big game. I think bigger than UCLA uh, by by uh, by a long shot. I remember our preseason podcast we did and we all selected our or picked our what we thought their record would be at season's end and we went game by game and i think i selected the said asu was going to beat us one of the two losses that we were going to have i had stanford and arizona state they've given us trouble in the past and they're a really athletic team obviously you know this is a different team than uh, than than what we've maybe seen over these last several years with Todd Graham and the fact that they would blitz literally 50% of every and defensive snap. Plays. They were just really kind of going after that home run ball every time defensively. So you're not going to see that that type of aggression out of them moving forward. But they still do blitz a lot, and, and they, they're pretty effective on the blitz right now. So that's going to be a key is how how does that defense and how does their blitzing stop the running game or affect the running game whether tyler huntley could be as effective in the passing game against this defense that's really going to be uh they're, they're going to put a lot of pressure on the o-line as effective as moss has been these last three or four weeks at some point here defenses are going to really focus on him and he's probably he's still going to get his yards i still going to get his carries still going to get some yards but it's probably not going to be a 200 yard game and and Huntley is going to have to make some throws to keep us in games or or get wins. And and you're absolutely right. He's got to he's got to stay effective. And and as well, he's he's. And I'm not saying he's not playing well because he is. And I think he has the confidence to go out there and do what do what needs to be done. But uh, it's going to be a team effort to get this done down the stretch. It's everybody's got to step up. You know, one side of the ball that is stepping up dramatically each week is is the defense. We saw this week against UCLA really shutting down UCLA. Anything they want to do, they pretty much shut down. Scott, I'll go with you. What are your overall thoughts of the defense? Um, you kind of gave a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, but well, what are your overall thoughts of the defense in this game against UCLA? I mean, this defense just continues to manhandle opponents. I mean, they're just, they're not giving up anything. I mean, right now, still seventh in the, or uh, I think, I think we dropped a third in the country overall in rush defense, uh, seventh overall in uh, defensive efficiency. Um, I mean, they're just not giving up much of anything. 81 yards on the ground per game. Um, and, and, the passing defense has continued to see a little bit of improvement um, as, as as over these last few games. So, you know, 
there's not much to break down. They're just dominating their opponent. And I, I would I somewhat expect to see kind of the same thing this Saturday against Arizona State. You know, Arizona State, their uh, quarterback can run, so they've kind of got that dual threat. Um, so they, they pose some threats for this defense. And uh, we're going we're gonna to have to stop the run both through their running back and, and through uh, Wilkins, the quarterback. But they like to take shots, too. He throws the ball deep quite a bit, and uh, so they're going to put some pressure, and, and obviously they've got one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in the country in Keneal Carey. I mean, obviously, uh, Keneal Harry is uh, is dynamite. I mean, Kyle Whittingham today compared him to Megatron, and he's that type of player. He's got that body, he's got that size, and he's just a, he's just a threat. So... He's and he's kind of had an up and down season, so we can't let him get going and and uh, and get some confidence. But they're going to pose a threat. But you know, overall, I I don't have a lot of concerns with the defense currently the way they're playing. So just to echo that point, Harry did have a 92 yard punt return against USC to really get that. That was huge. That, going. that, that was huge. That was a uh, momentum shift. Beginning of the game, kind of get that offense going. Uh, Ryan, I want to go to uh, this question to you. Uh, we saw Marquise Blair get ejected out of the game for targeting. He's going to miss the uh, first half. Boo. Are you concerned at all with, with Blair being out this first half? And, and uh, Whittingham kind of addressed um, the targeting call, but when you were watching that game and then that happened, what what were you thinking? My initial thought was, what was he thinking? It was just stupid. I mean, it was. It's pretty clear that he was the quarterback was sliding to give himself up, and and Blair just blatantly lowered his head. I mean, it was as soon as they. It was just. It was dumb. I. We had a three touchdown lead at the time. Why? I don't know. And he. I know. And I know he's an aggressive player, and I know he's a big hitter. And that's how he plays the game. But he, this has got to be what his fourth time in the past two years he's been ejected for this. At least somewhere in that neighborhood, around four times. Yeah, and, and, and granted, some of those have been some pretty ticky tack, questionable targetings. But, but this Saturday one, wasn't. It was no, not. It was or Friday night. It, it, was, it, was, not. it was ridiculous. Um, I mean, he, his his hands were out to his sides. He bends at the waist and just tries to tomahawk chop with his helmet. Yeah, it was it was dumb, and and to to I guess to answer your question, I think I'm a little bit concerned that he won't be in the game, but I think Terrell Burgess is most likely going to get the start, and I think we'll be okay with in that first half without him. But it's just he needs to use his head to think and not hit. It's just here. Here's my take on it: bench him for the game. I don't think he should play at all in this game. He has to sit out the first half. I think you sit him in the second half and say, figure it out, dude, because you're hurting your team. It is selfish, and it is ridiculous. Yes, do we all love the hard hits and his aggression? Yes, we do. But do it within the rules. It's it's clear as day now how he plays the game. And if you're going to go out and you're going to do the stupid stuff like that, you're hurting the team. You, you can't count on him because he's going to go do it another game or two. He's got that. I mean, against USC, he had that stupid, unnecessary roughness hit uh, near the goal line, hitting a guy out of bounds and just drilling him. He's just got some questionable judgment that is hurting this team. He hasn't been all that effective this year. He hasn't been what we what we kind of expected or well, hoped and I, you're he would right. be this I, he season. He hasn't, but I think part of that is because they've moved him to free safety instead of so strong yeah, safety. Yeah, so he's not he's not as he's not as close to the line of scrimmage um, consistently anymore. But I'll tell you what, I'm sick of seeing it. As much as I love to watch him play, it drives me nuts to see a player that is that selfish who cannot learn from his mistakes. And if he got ejected for another questionable call that. You know, then yes, I would be fine because some of those, some of those calls I, that the referees his, his make. His first one against Washington, yeah, that, very questionable. Yeah, he did nothing wrong on that one. But this one was clear as day. As a diehard homer, every Ute fan on Twitter could, was saying how stupid of a decision that was. And I, I think enough's enough. At, at what point is he going to learn a lesson? Well, he hasn't yet, and uh, and a part of me agrees with you that he maybe used need to send that message 
and like I said, I think I think Burgess is very capable. He's not the big hitter. Uh, he may maybe he doesn't have the same speed sideline to sideline that that Blair does, but but I, he, I think he's going to be just fine. And I don't know. Maybe we'll see if, if Wit has the nerve to, to bench him and send a message. That's that's interesting. I don't I don't think I can get on board with that benching him the whole game. It's an interesting point. I, I see. Uh, where you're coming from, Scott, and of course Ryan's on the fence on it. But <laughs> I just I, what did I say that would made me on the fence? Well, <laughs> I just yeah, I think I think you can do more harm into your locker room if you if you pull that. How? Explain that though. How disciplining a player he, he's who's doing, hurting the he's team. hurting the team by making that decision. So so if you sit him and you say, hey, this is not acceptable. How does that hurt the locker room? What if it's an on-field play like that is to take it to the extreme of making him out an entire game? I think players are going to have their teammates back. If he broke well, the, sure. if he broke rules off-field and they set him down for a game, then I think they're more understanding. But but, but, they, but no, they can have each other's back. Barton, but still understand Barton completely what's, defended what needs him. To happen. Barton defended him in the post game. He said, you know, sometimes it's really hard because you don't know. If the players are going to give themselves up, it's it's just it's something you got to learn. If he's using that excuse, it was it was pretty clear that quarterback was giving no, himself up. But I mean, I, I see why he's obviously defending his teammate, and and he talked about I, I how Chase Hansen. I don't think Barton saw the play. Cha- Chase Han- he said how Chase Hansen missed a play because Chase thought the guy was going out of bounds, and he didn't, and he kept running, and he got past Chase. Yes, so that's what I'm saying. Okay. So if he didn't see it, or if he did see it, he's defending his his teammate like he should. That's okay. I got no problem with him defending his. If teammate. If you're gonna suspend it, a player, but it's still for making an air on the field, I think that crosses the line, and I think you're gonna have more problems in the locker but room. The, okay, but this, you know, and we don't need to make this bigger than it needs. No, to you be. already did. But <laughs> but listen, this wasn't an error in the fact that he blew up a coverage that he missed an assignment. He played. It was a dumb. It was a. Move. It was a. It was a dumb move. Okay. What What has he already done? He had to sit out the second half. He's gonna have to sit out the first half of the next game. And now you want to take him another like, half? I'm not. I'm not. Te- I'm not telling his senior year. Four games left. I'm not saying Kyle Whittingham is going to do it. I'm saying. But if I you would, were Kyle, you would. Coach Scott over here says he'd be riding the pine. Why did you do that with the Texas accent? <laughs> What is this? What is this? Friday Night Lights? <laughs> Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose, baby. No, you know what? Yeah. I, I'm just saying my opinion. I, it may not be popular, and that's fine. But I hate seeing stuff like that. I hate, I hate self, well, I don't think selfish anyone, plays. I don't think anyone does. So he's got to learn at some point because I don't want to see it again. What, what if he does that in a... In the Pac-12 championship game, what if he does that in the Rose Bowl? What if he does it in a critical moment that it hurts the team? Again, if if it's one of those bang bang plays that is is impossible to avoid, I got no problem with it, even if he's in the wrong. But when you blatantly do something so stupid, when a quarterback up three scores in the second half is giving himself up, and you go out of your way to drill him with your helmet. Come on. Uh, I mean, it's hard to argue those points. It really was not a smart football move. As we get into Arizona State now, here's a team that I think a lot of people wrote off at the beginning of the year. They didn't bring in a head coach. They brought in a CEO. We all had fun with it. To their credit, they're they're playing pretty decent. Uh, they beat USC, like we said last week, 38-35. to 35. They ha- They do have some really high dramatic players wilkins at quarterback benjamin at running back who utah tried to get a few years ago can you imagine if he was if he was uh moss's backup right now <laughs> that'd, that'd be, be a great that, one-two punch that'd be insane uh, as scott mentioned harry at wide receiver who on you know nfl pr- predictions is the number one wide receiver in the country so this is a team that really has some key players that can hurt you if you're not ready yeah, they really do, and I think uh, kind of piggybacking on what Scott said a little bit ago when he was talking about our defense and kind of how he said there's not a lot to to nitpick about, and, and there really isn't. They they're really playing lights out in in most 
most of the game. If But if I were to nitpick something, I would probably nitpick a little bit their ability to actually sack the quarterback when they get to the backfield. It seems like they're getting a decent push and getting back there, and they're not I don't know if it's they're not staying in their lanes, but they've allowed Spate, who's really not a dual-threat quarterback, they allowed him to escape the pocket and get either first downs or or some positive yardage on some scrambles because of their inability to collapse the pocket, even though they were they were in the backfield. And I think if they don't get that fixed, that could bite them this week against ASU because Manny Wilkins is a threat to run the ball. He's more elusive should be more elusive than Will Spate was, who was able to pick up some yardage. Yeah, I, I, th- I think you've got to go probably with a spy of some sort with Wilkins because he is a threat and and he likes to run the ball. You know, he's uh, he's put himself in some harm's harm's way over these last couple of seasons with how much he runs and and he's not afraid to hurdle a defender and just kind of uh, do what it takes to make a play. So. I think Utah's got to put some shots on him, and they've got to they got to hit him every opportunity. And like Ryan said, if 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 you have a near sack and he escapes and turns it into a big positive gain, those are the plays that just kind of break your back, and and they give that offense momentum when you should have had a loss on the play. And so that's going to be the key is just kind of keeping that pocket where he can't escape and doesn't have these gaping holes to 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 run and gain first downs on. So, as good as Nikhil Harry is, do you assign one of our corners, no matter what side of the field he lines up on, to guard him? Or yeah, you bring in Weddle <laughs> and you put him on him. Or does it matter? You or do you have the same confidence in Blackman or Johnson, whichever side of he lines up on? I think you're probably going to see some split. I think uh, depending on where he's lined up and. Uh, and and it may just be who's who's having who's kind of got the hot hand defensively. Obviously, if if one of our guys is struggling and the other is doing a pretty good job, then then I think you see him kind of uh, follow him a, around the field a little bit more. But typically, um, the way we played is um, Blackman kind of stays on his side of the field, and, and Jalen Johnson stays on his, and um, they'll they'll switch it up a little bit. But uh, I, I don't know. I would I would expect you're going to see both those guys have opportunities against him. So, Ryan, I think that's a, a great point you bring up. I uh, really like your answer to that one, Scott. Uh, Kyle Winningham actually did address it in his Monday presser, so let's bring that up. There's different options. You know, you can uh, you know roll a corner up and roll a safety over the top of them. You can bracket. You can do some other things. But, but uh, you know, we'll just have to, you know, we're still in the formative stages of, of uh, the game plan. And, you know, we have a lot of faith in our two corners. You know, both those guys, Jalen and Julian, are, are really good players. And so we'll just have to... Uh, you know, come up with what we think is best, but there's there's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, I think that was uh, was that his freshman year at Georgia Tech when we played him. I think it was his freshman year. No, 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 it was Julio's freshman year in the Sugar Bowl. So, anyway, I, Eric Weddle's a special talent as well, and so that you know we felt that was a good matchup. You know, and answer to your question back then, that was you know our superstar player against their superstar player. So, uh, but you know, we'll see what we do this this week. So I think Winningham kind of sends it right there. With how well this defense is playing and the guys that are there, it gives them a lot of different options and maybe stuff they didn't have before when they had to rely on Eric Weddle to to play against the superstar every play, every game. And I I think with this defense now, they're able to kind of spread that out and give guys different opportunities. All right, so before we give our predictions uh, for the Utah ASU game, let's go ahead and get into our Pac-12 and 12, and that's brought to you by our sponsor with Lyft. Now, do you need some extra cash for the upcoming holidays, tuition, or just everyday expenses? You should consider driving for Lyft. For a short time only, Lyft is offering our listeners an exclusive bonus of $300 when they sign up to drive using the code UtahManPod. It's just UtahManPod, P-O-D, Sign up is fast and easy. What a crazy week of Pac-12 games that we had this last weekend. Before we get into it, let's hit a little bit of a news in the league. A lot of teams fell out of the polls. Some moved up, especially Utah. So Washington State is in the top 10 in the AP, 11 in the coaches. Utah 16 in both. 
Washington and Oregon fell out of the AP. Oregon fell out of the coaches and Washington's 19 on the coaches. A lot of movement just based off one week in the Pac-12. It kind of seems that the Pac-12 doesn't get the same benefit of the doubt as other teams and other conferences. No, you lose, you're kind of done in the Pac-12. You can lose like seven games in the SEC and you'll still be somehow ranked. <laughs> but, you know, it's just kind of the, the perception is reality. And, uh, you know, and, and until somebody from the Pac-12 goes and does something on the national stage and maybe even does it consistently, you're, that's going to be that's gonna be how it is. So, you know, we've got we to kind of prove our worth all over again here. But, uh, you know, really the only poll that really matters is going to be the one that comes out tomorrow, which when you're listening to this, at uh, the, uh, the playoff committee poll will be coming out. And uh, I expect to see Utah higher than 16 in that. I think, I think they may be... Uh, close to the top 10, to be honest with you. Uh, some other news that came out today. So Clay Hilton is really starting to feel the pressure at USC. It's been a couple weeks now, and the, the media in the L.A. market are already talking about who his replacement is going to be, as if he's going to, it's already settled he's going to be fired. He is now taking over OC duties for T. Martin. Uh, Martin is still on staff, will just be an offensive coach, but Clay Hilton will be calling the offensive plays at USC. He's either going to save his job or hang himself. And he did uh, fire the O-line coach today. Um, so a little, little bit of move, movement on that coaching staff. But, you know, when you're probably feeling that type of pressure, he's probably doing anything to maybe get a spark and and what one last chance to save his job. But it'll be interesting to see... Uh, who that next coach is, because it seems pretty inevitable at this point that there will be a change made. So as we get in the games, like I said, it was a really wacky weekend for the Pac-12. Oregon State goes into Boulder and beats Colorado 41-34 to in overtime. Oregon State scored 24 points in the fourth quarter to come back to force overtime. They got the ball to start and just kept that momentum. And I mean, thank you to the Beavers as a Utah fan. Thank you, thank you. But yeah, I will. Oh, what a I crazy will game. always thank the Beavers. I owe massages to the U fans. I might as well give one to the Beavers because they made that happen. So, so kudos to uh, Beaver Nation, and uh, um, that was that was the uh, the big game of the day to really make everything go in our favor. And I, I missed that whole game, but I would have loved to watch the haircut meltdown in that fourth quarter oh my god i will have to say it did kind of remind me a little bit of utah in the past of sitting on a lead as we said earlier asu went into the coliseum and beat usc 38 to 35 but jack sears makes his start as a usc trojan quarterback he didn't start the game off very well had a kind of a fumble off an option uh, that was recovered by ASU. Uh, but he comes out in the second half and really put together a pretty solid game. He goes 20 of 28 for 235 yards and two touchdowns. Washington goes down to Cal 10 to 12. Jake Browning, woof, 11 woof. of 21, 148 yards and a pick. Who, who would have thought Jake Browning would get benched? He had so much promise in his, at the beginning of his career. Uh, he really hasn't lived up to where I think people were projecting him. I, I mean, I don't want to well, dog on the kid, but... I mean, he is on the verge of breaking the all-time wins in in the Pac-12. So he's obviously had a pretty illustrious career, but most of his success came early on in his career. And, you know, UW fans are pretty vocal that they, they're not real happy with his play. And the fact that he got benched in that game. Now, he has been ruled the starter moving forward, but... Uh, you only scored 10 points against Cal. Mm, that's rough. That's like A-Rod rough. Uh, Washington State get beat Stanford 41-38, to and it really was a quarterback duel out there. Gardner Minshew for Washington State goes 40-50, 438 yards and three touchdowns. Costello for Stanford, 34-43, 323 yards and four touchdowns. Bryce Love leaves the game injured again. They're, they've been trying to limit his carries, and it hasn't worked. They have they have limited his effectiveness. And then the last game, Oregon gets worked what? by Arizona, forty four to fifteen. JJ Taylor for Arizona, thirty carries for over two hundred yards. Arizona just stuck it to Oregon. Oregon didn't know how to respond to it. 
the last couple of weeks they've they've had a tough go at it. It's kind of surprising because they played well early on, but they've I don't know what's going on. Well, and Herbert is not looking all that impressive. No, he didn't um, for being the you know consensus number one quarterback coming out. If he decides to come out, he just uh, he's not real effective right now. And uh, yeah, their offense is struggling, and uh, and even their defense is struggling. So it bodes well that they're uh, they're a week away off that schedule for us, but um, a little disappointing for the conference. So after last week, our picks, Ryan, you and I both went three and three. Scott went two and four on the season. Scott's leading 25 to 15. I'm 24, 16, and Ryan's still under 500 at 19 and 21. <sighs> woof, woof. <laughs> there's, there's always this week, Ryan. So the game's coming up this week for the Pac-12. Colorado's traveling to Arizona. Arizona's a three and a half point favorite over the Buffs right now. Ryan, it's your week to go first. Where are you going? Well, obviously, Arizona played really well last week, and they're at home in Colorado. I don't know. Either they're going to be fired up because of the way they lost that game, or they're going to just continue that spirals. But I think I'm think i going to go with Arizona at home, which gives a little more cushion for Utah. Yeah, I uh, would not have expected this really at all. Um, but Colorado, have, they've lost three straight. They very well uh, could lose this game, um, and then they've got Washington State coming. So Colorado could be out of uh, out of contention here pretty darn quick. So um, I'm rooting for Arizona. I'm going to go with uh, the Bear Down. I'm going to go with Arizona as well for those reasons that you guys have laid out. UCLA traveling to Eugene to face the Ducks. Oregon's a nine-point favorite right now over the Bruins. Ryan? Oh, man. They both played poorly last week. I... I didn't see anything out of UCLA and haven't seen anything out of UCLA really to say they're going to win, especially going on the road to Oregon. I'm going to go with the Ducks. You know, Oregon's breaking out. Looks like them the Jordan Brand uh, one-time uniform for this UCLA game. Um, it's at home, and uh, I don't expect Oregon to play two uh, two bad weeks back to back. So I'm going to go with the Ducks. I think this could be a trap game for the Ducks. Going against a lesser opponent in UCLA and having Utah coming up the week after, but I just don't think UCLA is, is that is good enough to win on the road um, at Autzen Stadium. So I got to go with the Ducks as well. Next game: Stanford at Washington. I think a lot of people circled this early on, thinking this could be a game decided the Pac-12 North. Both teams have kind of not played up to their expectations this year. But Washington is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite over the trees. Ryan? If Bryce Love is out, which I don't know if he is, but if he left the game injured, there's a possibility he'll be out. Um, I'm going to go with Washington at home. Ooh, I'm going to go with the upset on this one. I think Washington is struggling. There's issues there. There's issues uh, whether it's uh, amongst the coaching staff, locker room. There's... There's there's something going on. There's way too much talent to be go to be uh, playing this poorly. And Stanford, even without, I mean, they're they're kind of, at this point, Stanford's kind of used to playing without Bryce Love, and they're playing a lot better than Washington is. So I'm gonna go with the upset. I'm gonna go with Stanford. Ryan, this is why you're under 500 in your picks. I'm going with the trees, like Scott. Yes, Bryce Love has been out all year, but Castell's been playing really well. They're changing their offense to more of a passing attack rather than the the run game. And their games have been close, the ones that they've lost. So I'm going to go with the trees. Now, this could be an opportunity for you to get a game if it goes in Washington's favor. True. Climb out of the cellar. Unfortunately, one game is not going to help me. The Trojans, with their new OC and Clay Helton, are traveling to Corvallis to play the Beavers of Oregon State. USC's a 14-point favorite on the road. This week's, I mean, why, this week's game is brought to you by Schick Razors. <laughs> if I'm going to climb back into this race, I've got to go with the Beavs. Well, on that note, <laughs> all right, Scott, who do you got? <laughs> I'm going to go. I think uh, I think the Trojans win with uh, the third stringer. Uh, USC goes into Corvallis and gets the win. All right, the Cal Bears are traveling to Pullman to face the Washington State Cougars. Washington's a ten and a half point favorite right now. Golden Bears are on fire after beating Washington, but 
They're not going to beat the Cougars. Washington State wins. Um, I'm going to go, yeah, I mean, this is pretty cut and dry. I think the easiest pick of the of the night, I'm going to go with uh, Washington State. Yeah, I can't disagree there. Leach and the Cougars will get that win. And the last game we have, Utah's traveling to Tempe to play the Arizona State Sun Devils. Utah is a seven-and-a-half point favorite on the road. Utah has had some trouble with Arizona State since coming in the Pac-12. But, Ryan, where are you going? I think Utah gets it done. I, th- I think their streak of 40-point games comes to an end. I think they win 35-27. to 27. Scott? Yeah. I oh, can, they go, can they go five games putting 40 on the board? That's a tall task. Um, I think they can, but I'm, I'm going to go with a little bit closer as well. Um, Two-score game, I'm going 34-24 Utes. I have a lot more faith in this offense than you guys. So I think Utah <laughs> wins 40-27. to 27. I'm only going five more points than you guys. But I think Utah does keep that 40-point That's just uh, a 60-yard field alive. goal difference. <laughs> Those count for five points. All right, Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? Oh, you can find me at Uteman underscore forever. And you can follow me on the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast, our home at utahmanpodcast.com. You can always find us wherever podcasts are available, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We're always there. And hopefully Utah goes down to Tempe and gets a big win over the Sun Devils and fork it up. Go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes will be till I die kayak. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. The Sun Devils of Tempe. (laughs) (laughs) What's so funny? You said it correctly. (laughs) So why is that funny? We are off. We are off on a good start here, Cam. You're pronouncing cities correct. Way to go. This is a disaster to start. <laughs> I want to do the I'm back thing. <laughs> Look how disappointed he is. He's been, he's been planning that for a week. <laughs> no, actually, it didn't come to me until I sat down here. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is Halloween. <laughs> this is going to be this is going to be released on Halloween day. This is a game where, you know, you should watch. Make sure you're, you know, in the kitchen around a sink as you watch this game <laughs> as, uh, so you're well prepared for any outcome. Oh, no, Pooh, you messed up my moose. <laughs> is there more honey? Oh, no. Oh, bother. <laughs> I must be going now. Goodbye, <laughs> rabbit. Well, goodbye if you're sure you won't have any more. Is there any more? <laughs>